This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Folks, welcome back to Home and Away on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. It is my turn. I am Maxwell Baumbach, and I am joined at this time by Trice. Uh, you may be familiar with his work from YouTube. He is one of the best basketball YouTubers out there, in my opinion. Puts together some really cool, really interesting, and really exciting stuff uh, over there. Um, so, Trice, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so just to start off, I always like to, a lot of times you listen to a podcast and they'll do plugs at the very end. I like to do the plugs up front. So where can people find you on social media and on YouTube? Yeah, so on YouTube, it's very simple. Just type in Trice, T-R-I-C-E. Um, and sometimes you have to type in basketball or something like that because there is a couple other channels. But my, my channel is just Trice by itself. Um, got all kinds of original basketball um, documentaries and short films, as well as some other cool little stuff that we have going on over there. Um, we've been at it for a couple of years now with the the heavily going into the documentary uh, film side of things. And it's been a blast, man. It's been so much fun to just create and tell some amazing stories. Um, but on other socials, you can find me at Trice High. It's uh, T-R-I-C-E and then High H-I-G-H government name really easy to remember you can look it up on uh twitter instagram tiktok got all kinds of uh content we're starting to pump out in those spaces as well but it's a good place to just get to know me and i love to always uh chat talk some hoops with uh with other basketball heads and fans and mm-hmm. whoever else wants to listen for sure man so just to kind of start off i was thinking it's interesting just to find out where everyone else in this space like got into basketball so what was like your first memory of basketball and what kind of hooked you and kept you like sticking around as far as watching basketball, becoming a fan and all that? For sure. For sure. So I, uh, I mean, basketball, man, that's something that's been in my life for a long time. I will say, you know, my earliest memory of basketball is probably like, you know, as a, as a kid playing NBA street volume two on the PlayStation two back in the day. Like, I mean, that, that that's like my earliest memories of basketball, like, uh, just falling in love with just the creativity and fun of the game. Um, but I didn't really get into as far as it becoming a big part of my life. until probably seventh grade, 12, 13 years old, I started playing for the first time. Um, and kind of anybody who knows me knows when I kind of get into something, I, I go all in. I, I kind of dive mm-hmm. head first when I find something I love. So I fell in love with the game, fell in love with the process and the grind of, you know, working on uh, basketball and working out and things like that. So um, I ended up playing from seventh grade to like my senior year of high school. I uh, was fortunate enough to uh, be able to play at, at the NCAA level out of high school. Nice. So I, I went and played for a school in Pennsylvania. Uh, for four years so that just kind of deepened my love for the game in a new way you know you got to be dedicated at that level and you know it's something where um it took the game took me to places and allowed me to meet people that I never thought I would 
and mm-hmm. that was just strictly from a playing standpoint but you know in in the same realm of things fell in love with the game as a fan and um it's never stopped you know even once i graduated mm-hmm. in 2020 um still play to this day and i still you know obviously what i do for a living is totally engulfed in basketball and the culture and the the stories that it has to offer so yeah, i owe this game everything man i mean it, it, it really mm-hmm. changed my life and you know I love it. So when you were playing, you know, growing up in high school and, and even into college, um, what was your game like as a player? And like, were there guys that inspired you or like, I want to take from this guy or that guy? For sure. So um, I would say in high school, I was more of a, a traditional point guard kind of pass first, set the offense up type player. I, lo- I watched a lot of uh, Chris Paul. I watched a lot of, I really enjoyed Stephen Curry, but I didn't really have the shooting at that point. But once I got to college, um, kind of one of the things they told me coming in, I'm only like six foot. Um, so, you know, coming into college, they they kind of told me straight up when I first got there, they were like, look, if you want to carve out a role on the floor at this level, you're going to have to be able to really spread the floor. You're going to have to really be able to shoot the ball. It's kind of the main way you're going to get on the floor over your career. So I kind of took that to heart. I redshirted the first the first semester of my freshman year. So we would get back from games, uh, away games, and I, we would travel with the team even if we weren't playing. And we'd get back, and I'd immediately go to the gym. I, I, I made good friends with the security guard, so he would let me in late at <laughs> night, and I would just get on the shooting machine, and I would shoot till like 1, mm. 2 a.m. every night. And so it got to the point where I really fell in love with the grind and, and trying to become the best shooter I could be. I started studying guys like um, Buddy Heald, J.J. Redick, uh, really – Steph Curry a little bit, but more so guys who are really good at, at moving off the ball. And as I became a better shooter, uh, that's kind of the role I started to fill was a, a guy who could space the floor, move off ball, move more to a shooting guard type position. And uh, I loved it. I mean, I mm-hmm. it it's a, it's a whole lot more fun. The game's a whole lot more fun when your main responsibility is just to put the ball in the basket, man, just to shoot, to just to shoot. And, and that's kind of your main responsibility. It, it takes a lot off your mm-hmm. shoulder versus being a point guard and having to read the D, you know, know what the defense is running and make sure everybody's set up and make sure everything's good. So, um, you know, that I would say those are a few guys who I, I really love to watch. I'll, I'll think of someone else later, but um, people, people <laughs> yeah, who, fine. people who really, um, embodied that aspect of the game as far as shooting the ball and and to this day I think now um once I got out of school you know I still play in a couple uh semi-professional uh pro-am type leagues in the summer Mm -hmm. and I I I try to uh embody more of like the off the dribble point guard shooter type role now but I I love the game I love playing it it's something that it never gets old going up and down the floor man it never gets old Mm -hmm. for sure man yeah that's really cool and I think I think people always love to know when somebody has that kind of background too, and that you're not just some guy who's like spouting off takes and that you've kind of been there and done that and and been through it at the college level and and things like that. Um, So one of the, one of the things I'm always curious about is you end up, you know, really putting together this successful YouTube channel, um, doing sort of documentaries, like you said, like stories, just like covering the history of the game, players that have been through the game um, really of like, all sorts of varieties, like guys who were, you know, cult following role players to big name superstars to prospects. You really kind of cover the whole gamut over there. Um, what inspired you to get into the YouTube and like video editing and, and all that sort of things? Like, 
was that something you started while you were in college? Was it something that you just always wanted to get into? How did that how did that come about? Cool. So like when I first got into YouTube, uh, I actually made my YouTube channel back in like 2013. So it's it's almost mm-hmm. it's over 10 years old now. Um, but I didn't start taking it seriously until probably my senior year of high school is when I started doing um and by seriously it was nothing like what i do now it was i made a lot of like highlight mixes and you know just take different players and put music and behind some highlights and it would just create things like that nothing really too in-depth um once i got to school um i was able to kind of obviously with less time because your schedule is just ridiculous you know between class and practice and everything so um, when I was able to I would try to you know still put out videos I I then transitioned into the stage of kind of voiceover type videos where I would break down players Um, I was actually you know I was doing a lot of the kind of the stuff that you guys are doing now as far as like draft play uh breakdowns like that's kind of mm-hmm. what really kind of took my channel off and initially is uh especially the year john morant and zion came out uh i i did a few videos on some guys from that class darius garland cam reddish like i, I did a few videos on different prospects kind of breaking their games down and doing voiceovers which kind of came naturally to me because i've always loved the, the sports media space as far as sports talk radios sports talk tv like that's kind of always been something i've enjoyed so it was, it was seamless for me to just talk hoops and it, it kind of took the channel to another level. And then um, in 2020, after I after um, COVID hit, my senior year of college got cut short. So I got sent home for the rest of the semester, had to finish my my degree online. And kind of as I was home, I kind of was left sitting here kind of like, OK, so what do I what am I going to do with YouTube like I've always said I'd like to go all in with it but like what what does that look like like exactly how do I want to do this and about that time is when the last dance came out on Netflix and early ESPN first sorry yeah when the last and and as the last dance was it hadn't come out yet but as they were doing promo for it I had always wanted to get into the more documentary headspace. Like I, I've, I've always been a fan of sports documentaries back to like the 30 for 30, like fab five, the bad boys. Like, like I've always loved sports documentaries because the, cause, because of the way that they tell stories of, of something that all us basketball fans are passionate about, which is, you know, the game and the things that come into that off on and off the court. So um, as the last dance was coming out, um, I was really intrigued by the idea of, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I have all the time in the world now, literally, we're all at home. Why don't I put together like an extension of the last dance? Because I knew they weren't going to go into like Michael Jordan's time with the Wizards and all that. So I was yep. like, you know what? Let me do, mm-hmm. let me do a quote unquote, the real last dance. So my idea was let me do a documentary on Michael Jordan's time with the Wizards and call it the real last dance and release it the night of the final episode of the last dance. So when people are, you know, looking up stuff about Michael Jordan online, they find something else to watch. Cause I know I do that when I watch a movie, I'm always looking up review different breakdowns and things of movies and stuff. So I thought, why not? You know, it'd be a good, the timing worked out. So I, uh, in the months, in the month that the last dance was kind of dropping part by part, I was working on my own little, like, um extension of the documentary series and that was kind of my my first experience in the documentary filmmaking space and um it did really well right out of the gate 
Um, I think it had a million views within a within a week. And I was kind of like, you know what? I think this is I think this is like a really fun space. Like there's so many, there's literally endless stories to tell. So mm-hmm. about a month later, I did one on Jason Williams, White Chocolate. And uh, after that, I, I immediately knew like this is this is what I want to do. I want to I want to tell these stories. I want to create these uh, short films and documentary style projects that that really dive into some of the backgrounds and uh, and things, circumstances, whatever it may be, that make these players who they are and make them so great. So ever since then, you know, it's kind of been a, a slow and steady process of putting things out. I've got to work with some awesome people and, and create some really cool things. And, you know, it, it just keeps progressing over time. The, the thing that I love the most about it is I really feel like everything I put out each time is a little bit better than the last. And that's my only mm-hmm. goal. I just want to keep getting better, kind of tie it back to how I was with basketball, just kind of try to keep getting a little bit better each time and we'll see where we end up. So I, yeah. I, I love it. I love to do it though. It's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So we are going to continue this conversation, especially on this Michael Jordan, uh, the real last dance topic. In just a moment, we're going to take a quick break. All right. And we are back. Uh, this is Maxwell Baumbach joined with Trice and Trice. I was so glad that you brought that Michael Jordan one up because that was the first Trice thing that I ever saw. Um, Cause I was, I was actually in kind of a similar headspace to you uh, during COVID. There was no basketball and I was losing my mind. That's like when I got into uh, the scouting process personally. So it's funny that like both of our uh, journeys into the space of basketball that we're in now both kind of happened for the same reason. Um, but I came across your, your Michael Jordan video, uh, and it was one I was going to bring up whether, (laughs) whether or not you touched on it at all. Um, because I read the book when nothing else matters, uh, the the book that goes into Michael Jordan's time with the wizards. And it's just such like a fascinating under discussed part of his journey. Um, so when you were putting that together, were there any like surprises or things that you had like learned or forgotten about, like from that time that like really stuck out to you? Cause that was like one of my favorite, uh, favorite videos of yours and like my introduction to your channel. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest, most interesting thing that, that I took away from it is one, um, like you said, it is a, a chapter of his career that is like very much so swept under the rug. No one talks about it. I've seen many people online say like, we just pretend like those times didn't happen. And the thing that I took away from it, because I, I was only like five, six years old during that time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I don't have the only recollection I have of Michael Jordan with the wizards is to reference again, NBA street volume two, cause he's on the yeah. wizards on that game. So that was kind of like as a kid, kind of how i thought of jordan was the wizards just mainly for that reason like because that was kind of the the main like introduction i had to him at first as a as a a kid growing up but um i there was so many interesting little things that happened in that season i i like and we'll never really know the motivation he had for coming back until he himself does an interview or something and talks about it, which he hasn't really done since mm-hmm. that time. Like he, it's very keeps it very close to the chest. Doesn't really talk about that time. But from my observation, um, I think he was just trying to prove to the world that he still had it. He was like, you know, I took this time off, but like I, I can still hang with the best and. The coolest thing I could take away with from it and that kind of how I wrapped up that documentary in in retrospect is, you know, 
the fact that he was able to play at that level literally was in the running for MVP um, before a, a unfortunate Eton Thomas uh, knee induced knee injury. <laughs> um, he he was literally in the running for MVP and playing at an elite level. And I just think it's cool that for over three different generations, basically, you think of like the Magic and Bird, Isaiah Thomas days. Then you got like the Patrick Ewing, John Stockton, Carl Malone days. And then to, for him to still be playing at that level against guys like Kobe, AI, Vince Carter, is just really crazy for me to think about. Like that's literally three different, completely different eras of basketball that he was dominating. So I think that's, it's pretty cool to see. And I think it, I think that um, it's a very important part of his career that doesn't deserve to be forgotten because it proves just how good of a player he was in hindsight, that he was able to play at that level for that long. Absolutely. And, and I want to get into um, some of the other pieces that you've done as well. Obviously you, you did a Kobe Bryant video that was uh, very successful. I uh, recently put out one on Allen Iverson and like I was, Huge, huge Allen Iverson fan, like big part of me. Uh, so I grew up in the Chicagoland area. So like for me, it was like Jordan was like the guy because um, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm, I'm washed. I'm a whole I'm 32 years old. So I'm about ready to ready to be in the retirement home. Uh, but yeah, so for me, it was Jordan and then like Jordan retired. And then after that, it was like I got really into the 76ers. because It was like, oh, Allen Iverson is just like the coolest player in the world. Like it was right. him and it was this, like I was a big Steve Kerr guy. So I liked the Spurs because that was where Kerr went um but yeah like i so iverson was like a huge deal for me too and that was like a recent piece that you put out um thoughts not like on Allen iverson because that was another guy who like for you would have been like a little bit before your time as far as like when he was peaking um so how did you kind of enjoy kind of going through the process on a player that like you probably saw a bit of you know but not not a ton yeah i probably have the most fun with those documentaries where they're players that obviously i know and have seen play and you know all these things but i didn't get to experience so between him and i did another one on vince carter is actually probably one of my mm -hmm. favorite things that i've ever made and it's just like it's so cool to be able to dive into a time period literally like when i'm working on these things sometimes i i basically immerse myself in in like that that era cuz you're watching countless hours of interviews reading articles watching I, for the iverson one i was watching like hours of like old reebok commercials like i'm talking about like completely immerse yourself in like late 90s early 2000s basketball and i think it's it's very cool to see um the magnitude that ai specifically was able to to reach like the level he was able to reach at his size. That's kind of what stood out to me the most there. I've always heard like Iverson's the pound for pound goat. People always say that, but like I had never really thought much about it till I really dove into the project and, and watched the way that he carried himself in that season, the MVP season he had, and then the run to the finals with the Sixers. It, it was just, it was really cool to see how a guy that size just had that much dog in him that he was able to like, like literally put the city on his back and and carry them to a to a finals and then not only that but then win that game one against the lakers it was just it was mm -hmm. really cool to see i I love diving into that one that was a lot of fun yeah and that was like a game that i i remember like being at my friend jeff's house watching that game and being like so just like oh man like the lakers are just gonna rinse the sixers like this isn't gonna be fun and they won that first game and i was 
so amped up. Like I was like, all right, right. they got it. We're going to win the finals. It didn't work out that way, but it was still just like, <laughs> he really put that team on his back. Like the degree to yeah. which he did, like cannot be overstated. Um, right. Are there any pieces that you've done that you were like, incredibly proud of or that like hold a special place in your heart as far as like man i'm really proud of the work i did on this one whether they did you know crazy views or not but just once we're right. like, you know what i'm really proud of that one or i had a lot of fun putting it together yeah i think right right off the bat as far as one that i i'm really proud of but hasn't necessarily done the numbers that i think it will eventually it's still relatively young but like i said the vince carter one has mm-hmm. was it was really cool to die because that was more so than just Vince Carter diving into the early years of the Toronto Raptors and kind of how they got to Toronto, different things like that. So it was it was a really cool story. And I just something about that just kind of holds a special place for me. And I, I get it's funny because I work on these projects and some of them take a couple months to work on and you get kind of attached to different aspects of them. So like it, it's almost like little like I could look through and think of things that I love about each of them. Um, so that one would be one for sure. Um, the other one would probably be the Steph Curry video I did after the finals last year. Probably it was the most popular one I had done until, Mm -hmm. um, just here recently. And that one holds a special place to me because Steph Curry has always been my favorite player. He'll, he'll, he'll probably be my favorite player of all time for the rest of my life. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. I've, I love the way, um, the way he carries himself, the way he plays the game. He's always been from as early as I can remember, as far as when I started really getting into basketball, he's always been my favorite. So um, that was a special one because last season in general, seeing him win that fourth ring, probably one of my favorite mem- like moments as a fan of the game of basketball, just because like I obviously had been pulling for him all through the years and then winning those first three rings and then seeing them kind of go to the bottom again and seeing them be at the, the you know, one of the worst teams in the NBA and all these injuries and uncertainty. And then to see them somehow get back to the finals and not only get back to the finals, but for Curry to put on the performance he did in the finals, it was just so special for me to be able to capture that in a documentary. And um, I literally, I, I loved doing it and it was, it didn't even feel like work making. Yeah. That. It, that's it, always it, the best it ones. Like when you turn something it literally, out, like, it that just, was a blast. Exactly. Like I, in the process of it, I was like, I could work on this forever and never get tired mm-hmm. of it. It was just, it was such an enjoyment and I love how it turned out. There's been others. I mean, there's so many that I've enjoyed. I've got a couple projects on Derek Rose that I've, I've done and Derek Rose always holds a special place to me like that. That was, that was my boy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I grew up a Chicago Bulls fan. Okay. Um, yeah. My uncle, because my uncle was a Chicago Bulls fan and because of Michael mm-hmm. Jordan. And then he kind of like raised me up to be a Bulls fan in a way. So, you know, I, when Derrick Rose was drafted and when he kind of went on his run with the Bulls, I was watching every Bulls game. Cause that's back when we were actually on national TV more often. So I, I was watching every game. And uh, so to kind of be able to recap his career, both with the Bulls and I've also done some stuff about him um with the uh, Timberwolves and the Knicks kind of going through his complete career arc. Um, and that's kind of to put a little like prelude on things. It's actually something I'm in the process of working on now is basically an all encompassing um, documentary of Derrick Rose's entire career. And uh, kind of from 
the moment he was drafted or even before that, when he was raised in Chicago to kind of where he is now, where, you know, his career's kind of hit a stalemate for whatever reason with the Knicks. And he's kind of now he's getting standing ovations for playing like two minutes at the end of a game and you know so mm-hmm. he his career has kind of come to a complete arc i feel like so it was it's an appropriate time to cover everything um but it's it's kind of a combination of a couple things i've already put out and i'm kind of combining them and adding some things and just making it one complete documentary that kind of goes over his career so i'm excited about that it's going to be coming out really soon awesome awesome we're looking forward to that one um yes i was going to ask what you got in the pipeline that's like I'm I'm fired up now. I'm I'm excited to see that one. Yeah. Um because yeah, I was in, yeah. in in the Chicagoland area I for college like during during the big Derrick Rose peak in Chicago. So um yeah, just always been somebody that's kind of the top of my mind with basketball. So really excited for that. Um you did mention earlier that you had kind of started off by um getting into uh like draft video breakdowns and things like that and with us being no ceilings that's kind of a you know, that's that's what we're known for here. That's our thing. Who were some guys over the years that you really enjoyed as prospects, like whether or not they panned out or or became who, who you thought they were going to be? Who were some guys that you watched kind of coming up and you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to see what this guy's going to do at the next level? Oh, man, let me think. So uh, one that immediately comes to mind, like I I was really high on on Colin Sexton coming. Out OK, of, yeah, 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 yeah. Coming out of Alabama, of I was I was really big on just like because he he really reminded me of the way he was playing really reminded me of like the mentality of Russell Westbrook. Like just Mm -hmm. like that, that just like he he was going by the young bull. Like he was just in your face defense. And he, he, I just thought that if he could develop more of that scoring touch, he would, and this was, this was him coming out of right out of Alabama. Um, I, I really thought that he could, and he, in hindsight has a good car. Yeah. He's carved out a decent career. Nothing wrong with that at all. So that was one guy. Um, another guy. Let's see. Who's I kind of want to find somebody that I like. I'm looking back here. I want to find somebody. So I remember this is funny. So there was uh do you remember Malik Newman out of Kansas? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I remember Malik Newman had a crazy March Madness run. I'm talking about like he like literally carried them to a couple wins in whatever year he came out and I was convinced mm. he was going to be the next Ray Allen. I was convinced. Oh, I thought, I thought for sure. I was like, man, this dude, like he's got, he's like young Ray Allen. Like he's got the mm-hmm. jumper. He's kind of athletic. I even made a video on YouTube and I had like a picture of him next to Ray Allen. And the question mark was like, he got game question mark. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was convinced. So that's one that was like kind of a, not kind Everyone of. Everyone has their misses. Su- Malachi it was a severe was like- miss. Malachi Flynn was like now and like he's like been fine but like he was the guy like when he came out I'm like oh he's gonna be awesome like he is he is gonna be in that like I just thought he was like so cut out to be a Toronto Raptors guard like when he when Malachi Flynn came out where I'm like he's got the shooting he's got the toughness he's a little undersized but he gets so many steals that it's not gonna matter and he takes good care of the ball and he can shoot and like, yeah, everybody's got one. And if you're somebody who's like, oh, no, 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 no. I've never missed. No, you've missed on somebody at some point. It, was- it might not be on the Internet for thousands or however many people to see. But <laughs> yeah. you, you, you missed on something talking with your friends for sure. Exactly. Malik Newman, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, because I, I feel like I don't remember having like a very strong opinion one way or another about him coming out. But it just goes to show like 
we talk about this all the time. Like it's really hard to make it at the NBA level. And like, it's really hard to shoot at the NBA level. Cause you look at a guy like Malik Newman taking five threes a game and hitting 41% of them. And the season before that at Mississippi state 38% on 5.6 per game. Like it's really hard to know who is and isn't going to stick, especially like when guys are really good shooters. And it's like, well, you don't really have a reason to doubt the shot, but right. Sometimes it just doesn't, it's just come basketball is also such a mental game and i've seen people literally like as far as at all different levels like it's it's amazing how much you can psych yourself out at at another level and like like your skill might be there but it's kind of a mental thing like if your head's not Mm -hmm. in it and for whatever reason sometimes guys just can't translate that to another level i don't know he might have went and had a great career overseas i i honestly didn't keep up with him much but um I think he. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll never have to buy a drink in Kansas ever again. For so sure, I think, yeah. I think, I think he's got that. Um, but I'm trying to look at. Oh, another another player that I was high on was Bobo, and okay. I, I still hey, vindication. I'm still a big Bobo. Hey, I'm you still a Bobo fan. Yeah, I'm still a Bobo fan now. So like, I I was big on him right out of the draft, and then he kind of went quiet for a while, and then this year I was kind of like, look. I wasn't completely wrong. Like he shows yeah. some flashes. So I, I, I've always been a sucker for his game. He's just incredible. He's incredible mm-hmm. to watch. Well, and I think the, like, honestly, like, I think we're going to see more of that where guys like take three, four years because we, yeah. we did a podcast yesterday about it. And Nathan wrote an article today that was fantastic about how, just how high the bar is offensively now. And I think for so many guys, they're just going to come to the league. And like the average age of a guy who plays over 20 minutes a game in the NBA is 26. So like with right. so many guys that come in at 19 and 20, like it's going to take some time. And like mm-hmm. with Bull Bull too, I mean, he had injuries. He was in a loaded depth situation initially in Denver. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, he bounces around a little bit. Like these things are going to happen. Like we're going right. to see situations where guys, you know, end up on a team where they don't get a ton of run and then all of a sudden the years of work come together and it and it clicks and it feels like it's an overnight thing but it's kind of not and yeah bull bull so bull didn't he only play like nine games at oregon like wasn't it a pretty limited yeah and that was the interesting thing about Mm -hmm. that about like breaking him down i remember and I actually I did a short film on him in the fall, kind of when he started mm-hmm. playing really well with the Magic this year, and I was able to kind of revisit that video. So I went back and watched the breakdown I had done. Obviously, it's completely different, like covering their career versus like breaking it down and speculating how they're going to yeah. play in the NBA. So totally different topic, but it was fun to go back and watch and like see how he had played at Oregon, and like I don't know, just like he was putting up crazy numbers, like he was shooting a, cr- a ridiculous percentage from three, like on mm-hmm. like a lower volume, but like yeah, for his size, like he was shooting was some wild. ridiculous, just shooting ridiculous shots off the dribble at his size, like it was, you know, kind of how how we talk about Victor Wimbanyama now. That's kind of how I felt about him, you know, at that time, you know, just that he that he could literally do no wrong at his size. So I still a sucker to watch him play. Yeah. Well, I think even back then too, like you have to remember the context of like the time it was too, where it's like, it was 2019 and like, we weren't that far removed from like the entire city of New York going bananas over Kristaps Porzingis. Like we weren't that far from like, Oh man, like look how good a player can be when they block shots and shoot threes and have some athleticism to them. And like in Porzingis's case, there were injuries and Bull Bull's case, there were injury concerns. Um, but yeah, now it's like kind of starting to to finally actualize. And I think 
because he fell so far in the draft, I feel like younger fans or people that are newer to like the scouting process and stuff don't remember that there was like a lot of hype around him. Like when he fell in the draft, it was a stunner. Like this is not a guy who at the time everyone's like, oh yeah, he's going to go like mid to late second round. Like no, you he thought was supposed to be nuts. a lottery pick. Yeah, you were a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I've always just assumed it was like a medical thing, but yeah, him going mid second round was 100% like not anything that I saw anywhere before draft mm-hmm. night. Um, yeah. I think that that's important to remember. Have you gotten to take a look at much of this year's draft class? I have, a, I have a little bit, I have got to mm-hmm. keep up with it. Um, I, I think that it's like extremely loaded, like as far as, at the very top to me yes, like the, yeah. the top, like i feel like the top even maybe the whole lottery like there's so many gems that could be in there but specifically the top 10 is just like so many like franchise changing players it's ridiculous mhm yeah is so obviously like victor is somebody who you did a lot of work on um victor's like obviously like the big name in this class where do you kind of stand on victor like what do you think the floor and ceiling are for Victor Wimbanyama. Yeah, so Victor Wimbanyama, to me, um, I think his floor as a player, after, you know, watching so much on him and, you know, doing so much research on his game and his background, I really feel like his floor is probably a, like at the bare minimum, a starter in the league for like several years i i just mm-hmm. i i can't see after you know watching his game and just trying to imagine like what it looks like at the nba level i can't see him being any less if he came in with just what he has now and not de- mm-hmm. doesn't develop anything else i can't see him being less than a solid starter i mean just yeah if nothing else is just like a a rim protecting big that can stretch the floor and that's like bare minimum so um I really, it, it's exciting. Like he's it such is, an man. exciting player yeah. to think about. Like I just, like I, I really can't wait to see him at that next level. Even like that first summer league game, if he can play in the summer <sighs> league, is gonna be, it's gonna be ridiculous. You saw the hype that Chet Holmgren got last year. Mm-hmm. Like that's gonna be times ten. So it is. Uh, yeah. Like I, I really, like before I even get into what his ceiling could be, I really think he's going to take the league by storm. I I really Mm -hmm. believe that fans and uh, the media specifically are going to push him to the moon as far as the hype goes. Like I think immediately. And it's just because he's kind of warranted some of that, but I think the majority of basketball fans know of him now, but the minute he's drafted and he's in the NBA and he's got that Jersey on, He's going to become one of the most popular players in the game pretty quickly. I can strongly believe that. Yeah. I mean, you think about just like what a random exhibition game against the G League Ignite did in terms of just yeah. attention and buzz mm-hmm. afterward and, and even buzz going in. Like, right. I, you're right. I hadn't even thought about like what his first summer league game is going to be like. Like, it, oh. people are going to be packed in there like sardines. Like, it's going to be out it's of gonna control. It's going to be a media storm. Sure. Yeah, and and I think the hype for that will far exceed what that Ignite Metropolitans game did, just because now like they're even more known commodities than they are, and you're gonna have a team's right. fan base that has a very specific reason to tune in. Where this was like, right. oh man, like let's just check these guys out; they have a ton of buzz. Where this is gonna be like, we know what team he's on, we're excited, yeah. we want to see what he has to offer. 
Yeah, and that's exactly it. So, you know, to answer the rest of your question, as far as the ceiling goes, I I really believe that he has the potential um, to be one of the best players that we've seen. I I, I really, it's, it's, and, you know, I've heard many people say it, many people that I trust in their opinion as well. Like if all, it it always has the asterisk of health is obviously, and, you know, a, a good, long, healthy career. But if he's able to maintain said healthy career i i just can't see where if his traje- trajectory continues the way it is and he keeps developing these aspects of his game what does he lack i don't know like yeah i don't know i don't know so i think that over the course of his career if he keeps developing obviously if he's in the right situation that, that plays a lot into it if he goes to the right team um i am a firm believer that he's kind of on that level of like say a LeBron where it's kind of like, it doesn't really matter. I think he elevates mm-hmm. whatever team drafts him. I, he, I think too. he rises above the situation he's in, regardless of how good the coaching staff is, is developing young players, whatever, whatever. Uh, I think he rises above that just because of the pure talent. Um, so I would say ceiling one of the best players ever. Like I, I it's, it's funny to say that, but like I, it, I, I can't see a, a more realistic like highest point like it no so few guys come in with that kind of potential and i think what's yeah. interesting with victor too is like obviously he's very big and obviously he can't shoot and like those have been the selling points for him for a long time but as far as just like the actual jump in production from last year to this year is staggering like this is a guy exactly. who like this was all like still kind of theoretical a year ago like playing in this same league last year, you know, he was scoring, uh, you know, eight points per game. And, uh, right. you know, like it wasn't, it was not anything close to, to no. what it is now. Like he's literally, um, you know, now at, at 22 points per game, his field goal right. percentage is higher. His three point percentage is 3% higher. Even though he's taking twice as many threes, his free throw percentage jumped like 20, like, you know, 15% rebounding better blocking more shots passing way better like seeing the floor right. which he wasn't doing it all a year ago like right. the fact that it was already on paper just like oh wow these tools are fascinating and he has a chance to be special to then taking that yep. sort of skill leap in one year it's like oh right. man like there's a real good possibility this is going to actualize itself right for sure and like i said he's been a fascinating player to look at i've always kind of been a sucker for like the the players like like bobo like guys like like chet holmgren like god i've you know was a big fan of him coming in there's guys who don't make sense guys who are just it it shouldn't be able to move and play with the fluidity play with the skill at that size like but it shouldn't be possible it doesn't make sense I love players like that. So I'm a big fan of, of Victor. I've uh, mm-hmm. got some stuff in the works of hopefully a, a project coming out on him this summer, closer to the draft. Obviously I've mm-hmm. uh, got some familiar faces that are going to be involved with that from those <laughs> ceilings. So mm-hmm. uh, excited about that. For sure, man. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on here, taking the time and, and get to talk about your work. And if you haven't checked out Trice's work, like, go do it. It's, it's like my favorite way to just like, oh, I've got like 20 minutes to kill like trice video. Like let's go throw one on and, and awesome. learn something about basketball, reminisce about guys from the past, uh, learn a little bit more about guys that are still doing it. It's, it's a phenomenal basketball YouTube channel. And there's, there's a lot of That's them awesome. out there. Not all of them are good. Trice's is good. So make sure you give him a look. There's plenty of good ones out there and, and his is one of them. So 
Uh, Trace, just want to once again have you just kind of plug your stuff and let people know where they can find you. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. And like I said, I take a lot of pride in the people I work with. We take a lot of pride in, you know, putting out some of the best quality basketball content we can. We take a lot of a lot of pride in that. You know, it's something that um, I like to be able to sit back and watch some of my own stuff and say, hey, you know, this is this is exactly what I what I set out to create. So um, I appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. Um, like I said, you can find me at Trice on YouTube. That's T-R-I-C-E. Um all kinds of basketball content from past players, Michael Jordan, AI, Vince Carter, guys from the 90s, all the way to current players like Jordan Poole, Bobo, Kevin Porter Jr. We've covered all that. We've got all the bases covered, man. And we got a lot of stuff coming. 2023 is going to be a big year. And uh, I can't wait to share it with you guys. We, we're so glad to have you on the show, Trice. Uh, make sure you're giving him a follow. Make sure you're subscribed here on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. Wherever you are listening, don't forget to check out NoCeilingsNBA.com every single day of the week uh, for written content, including Sundays, uh, with our guy Steven in the mix there. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. Trice, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Sure. Catch you all later.